it's such a privilege for me to share an Easter message with you today. Today, when we are facing um, anxieties, concerns in this season, I am so happy to be able to deliver a message of hope. Now, I was listening to a guy called Andy Stanley. I was listening to a message that he gave about Easter, and I loved his approach. And so I'm going to use his approach today. Now, Easter points to the resurrection of Jesus, and it is the resurrection of Jesus that verifies the faith that we hold so precious. And it asks and answers a really important question, a question that we need to remind ourselves of, even if we know Jesus and love Jesus, but also if you've never thought of Jesus before. This is a really important question. Who is Jesus? Because Easter points us to the answer to this question. The resurrection is what convinced first century followers of Jesus that he was indeed the promised Messiah, the saviour of the world, the son of God, God in flesh. You see, it wasn't so much his teaching, it wasn't even the miracles. It was the resurrection that convinced them and it is the resurrection that has been convincing followers of Jesus ever since. Now, as followers of Jesus, we don't believe just because it's in the Bible. We believe something because it's more substantial than that. There are men and women who claim that they saw and they witnessed Jesus resurrected. They talked with him, they ate with him, they walked with him. Now, one of the people who wrote an account down was Matthew. Matthew was a first century follower of Jesus. And he wrote down and he believed that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Mark, he was a friend of Peter who was a disciple of Jesus. He got Peter's version and Peter's account and he wrote down and he believed that this was true, that Jesus was raised from the dead. Then there was Luke who was a doctor. He traveled around the Middle East and he traveled with the apostle Paul, but he also met lots and lots of people who claimed that they had met, seen and encountered the risen Jesus. And so he believes it's so true that he writes his account down and he writes to a friend and he says this, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Another person who uh, wrote in the New Testament was Peter, the disciple of Jesus. He wrote to the early church two letters. And it is absolutely clear in those letters that he believes that Jesus was raised from the dead. And then we have James, flesh and blood, brother of Jesus. When Jesus walked the earth, ministered in his earthly ministry, ministry, James was not convinced. He wasn't convinced by the teaching or the miracles. But it was once Jesus was risen that James proclaims Jesus was his Lord. He actually goes on to be a pastor in Jerusalem. He's actually stoned to death for his um, uh, conviction that Jesus is raised from the dead. And then there's the Apostle Paul, who at one time persecuted Christians, and he has an encounter with the risen Jesus, and he is convinced uh, and puts his faith in Jesus. He uh, spreads the gospel, plants churches, and then later he himself is beheaded for his refusal to give up his belief and confidence that Jesus is the risen Lord. Now, these brave men, they documented what they saw. What they documented was protected and preserved over years. And then years later, they were compiled and they were put into this book we call the Bible, into the New Testament. Without the resurrection of Jesus, the faith we have is actually worthless. You see, if Jesus wasn't raised, then he was just another Jewish rabbi who went off the rails. He is just a wannabe Messiah who was executed by the Romans. Friends, 
The Christian message stands on the truth of the resurrection. I want to encourage you to read these accounts in the New Testament. What we see in these accounts is a brutal honesty. These are folks who don't portray themselves as heroes. They are ordinary men who just say what it was like. You see, they had no expectation that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. They assumed that what would happen to Jesus was what would happen to every dead person. He would just stay dead. No one was expecting the resurrection. They weren't standing outside the tomb waiting for this to happen. No, they thought maybe they had been fooled. They were in hiding. They were frightened for their own lives. You see, Jesus claimed to be the resurrection and the life, but you can't kill the resurrection and the life. He promised, he, he said he was the promised Messiah. And yet there he was, you know, killed. And so this is what had happened. Jesus, who claimed to be those things, had died as far as they were concerned. Now, another person who wrote his account down was John. John was a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, very close to Jesus. And he gives us his account and he tells us the details because he was not only there at the crucifixion, but he was also there to see Jesus raised. Now, John recounts how before the Passover celebration, so many people had put their trust and confidence in Jesus. You see, they believed um, that Jesus was going to be their promised Messiah. But the enemies of Jesus were not convinced and they were very concerned that so many people were putting their faith in Jesus that soon, you know, the whole world would be following Jesus. So they were conspiring to get rid of him. They knew Jesus would be coming to Jerusalem. They were going to wait till after the festivities and then they were going to take him, arrest him and take him to the Romans to have him executed. Now, the Passover celebration was a reminder to the Jews that God had delivered them from captivity to the Egyptians hundreds of years ago. They celebrated this every year, but it was also a celebration with hope because they were hoping for the promised Messiah who would deliver them once again. And they believed that it was going to be a literal deliverance from the time they were in now, captive under the rule of the Romans. And so they had put their faith and confidence in Jesus. So when Jesus enters the city um, on what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, when he enters the city, they are celebrating him. They are praising him. They're shouting Hosanna. They're laying down their garments, their palm leaves so that he could walk over them. But Jesus doesn't seem to respond to this call. He just goes into the city. He ministers as he usually does. He teaches and the people begin to get frustrated. And somebody who gets very angry and frustrated is one of his disciples, Judas. And he begins to conspire with the enemies of Jesus to betray Jesus. Now, that evening, it's the Passover celebration. Jesus is with his disciples and they're expecting him to declare himself as king, that he's going to now begin this whole uh, deliverance for them. But what Jesus does is something very different. He announces a brand new covenant. It's a promise and he's going to be establishing this covenant in his blood. And he says this, he says there's a new command that he's giving to them. In John 15, chapter uh, 15, verse 12, he says, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He's actually predicting his death. They don't understand it. The next day, he would show them this kind of love. 
this sacrificial love, love not just for them, but for the whole world and for you and for me. This was going to be the trademark of this new movement. Now, they still think that he's about to deliver them, but no, he's about to do something for you and for me. Now, that night, Jesus is handed over to the Jewish leaders. He's arrested, he's accused, and he's beaten. And then they take him to Pontius Pilate, the Roman leader. The Jewish authorities want him executed, but Pilate can't find anything wrong with Jesus. So instead he decides to have him flogged, to have him whipped with lashes that are um, full of little pieces of metal. So what's going to happen is Jesus's body is going to be torn, torn open, bloody and bleeding. And he thinks he's going to present Jesus in this terrible state to the people and they'll take pity on him. But instead, what happens when Jesus is whipped, he's presented to the people, there he is, an absolutely bloody mess of a sight, pathetic figure. And instead of the people taking pity, their disappointment that Jesus hasn't delivered them uh, turns to anger and they begin to shout, crucify him, crucify him. And so Pilate has no choice. He hands him over to the Roman soldiers. They take Jesus, they force him to carry his heavy cross and they take him to a place called the skull. And John recounts the details because John was there to witness the crucifixion. He watches Jesus hanging on the cross for hours. He watches him suffering there. And then he's there when Jesus breathes his last breath and says these words, it is finished. He watches Jesus hang his head and die. And then John makes this statement, not just for his audience, but for us. He says this in chapter 19 of his um, version. He says in verse 35, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He's talking about himself and he's now speaking to us, to future generations, so that he said, you also would believe, so that you would respond as I've responded. And we might say to John, yes, okay, John. Yeah, I believe it. A, a good man was killed. You know, a, a, a man was killed because of people's anger and disappointment. But John isn't talking about that part. No, he's talking about this next part. He's saying, this is my testimony. What I'm saying is true. I was there. I saw it all. And in chapter 19, he describes what happens after Jesus dies. Two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they get permission to take the body of Jesus. They take the body of Jesus to a garden nearby where there is a tomb and they anoint his body with myrrh. They wrap his body in linen strips. They do what you do to a dead Jewish man because they had no expectation that Jesus would be raised. They lay him in the tomb. They have a very heavy stone rolled across the tomb and they leave and we don't know where they went. In fact, we don't know where many of the followers of Jesus went. What we do know is they had many doubts. They were frightened. They were some of them frightened for their lives. Why? Because they had no expectation now. All they had was disappointment and disillusionment. You see, if Jesus was dead, then all these claims he'd made about himself were no longer true. Now, what we do know is that John spent the next couple of evenings, nights with uh, Peter, the disciple Peter. And together, maybe they were discussing all night, what was it all about? What had happened? But what we do know is on the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene, early in the morning, is knocking at their door. She's banging hard. They go to the door and there she is. And she's shaking and she's crying and she's in a panic. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. She's assuming not a miracle, but theft. Someone has taken the body. And John and Peter, they leave the house and they run to the garden. They run to the tomb. Peter runs in, John stands at the door, but then eventually he goes in too and he says that what they saw convinced them. You see, in that moment, what they saw changed their whole worldview. What they saw were strips of linen lying there, strips of linen, and the, the head part of the cloths were lying in one place and separate were the strips that had covered the body. They were lying there neat and tidy. This was not a mess. Thieves would not have left the strips of body tidied up that way, the strips of cloth tidied in that way. They would, have, they would have rushed out of there with the body wrapped. When John goes inside, he says what is central to his message. He says it to us, he says it to all people. He says, I saw and I believed. In that moment, when he saw those cloths there, when he saw the empty tomb, that's he, what he says is he believed. And he wants to leave that message with us because the resurrection reframes everything. Now what Jesus said about himself, when he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, this is true. When Jesus said, I'm the giver of life, I'm the one who forgives sins, I'm the door of salvation, I am the healer, I am the Messiah, this is true. When he said, I am the way, the truth and the life, this is true. And so for John, in that moment, everything lines up. He saw him live, he saw him die. He saw the empty tomb. I believe Jesus is alive, he's saying. And I believe what Jesus said about himself is true. You see, this is the Jesus who welcomed tax collectors and prostitutes. He restored dignity to everyone that he met. He spoke to the rich and poor alike. He empowered the disempowered. This is the God of ages who has stepped down from glory to bear my sin and my shame and yours. The resurrection defeated death and in so doing defeated Satan. This was John's message to us. In John chapter one, he says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This was the best way he could explain it. And the word became flesh and walked among us. John describes Jesus as the light of the world who entered the world and lit the world up for us. And on that Easter morning, when he recognized that Jesus has been raised from the dead, it all comes together for him. And he says, I believed. Now, John and Peter and many others went on to meet the risen Jesus. They had conversations with Jesus. And there is one encounter, one conversation that Jesus has that John wants us to know about. And he records this. But before I tell you about this, I just want to give you the context again. As I said earlier, after Jesus had died, many people were so disappointed, fearful, and those who closely followed him scattered because they were afraid for their lives. And they were so disappointed. You see, if Jesus was dead, there was nothing they could hold on to because he'd made these huge claims about himself. And so now that they were not true, as, they, as far as they felt, there was no reason to hang around. But now there were sightings of Jesus. There were claims that Jesus had been raised. And even Peter and John were saying that they had seen the risen Christ. And so one of the disciples who had left his illusion was a guy called Thomas. And it tells us in John chapter 20 that John wasn't with them when Jesus came to the disciples. But when he heard about this 
you know, the fact that Jesus might have been risen, he starts to come back to Jerusalem. And when he meets up with the disciples, they say to him, Thomas, where have you been? The Lord, he's alive. But at that point, he's having none of it. And so he says this to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and feet, and I put my finger where the nails were, and I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. You see, he thinks that they're seeing things. I mean, he's not about to waste his life following uh, a dead man that they think they saw. But wonderfully, John says in his account later on in John chapter 20, he says this, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says to him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen, you have believed. But then as if speaking to you and me now across the ages, he says this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In other words, blessed are those of us who have read these accounts who believed even though we haven't seen. And then John closes this section in John chapter 20, verse 26, sorry, verse um, 30. It says, uh, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This Easter it authenticated and sealed the promise that was given to us. In John 3.16, he says, God so loved the world that he gave us his son, that whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. He promised us this incredible sacrificial love that we could now carry in our own hearts. Jesus demonstrated in his life and he promises us that we can have life now because he is raised from the dead, because he's defeated death. We have life into eternity if we put our trust, our belief and confidence in him. And that life begins now, it begins today. For those of us who have believed, we have experienced this life of hope and we have such a life of purpose and we want to share it with you. Today, he is asking us all, once again, in this time of trouble, in this season, that is really difficult for many of us. He's saying, trust me. You can trust me because of the resurrection. I'm here with you now. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus, today I want to, want to invite you to do that.